Hey folks, welcome back to Intelligent Living. Thanks for joining the podcast, where we have discussions about all things relating to life. You know, through science, we've learned so much about life and how to live it well, so why is it that we tend to live so foolish? Well, it's time to use that science so that we can live life with some intelligence. We can live longer, happier, more purposeful and productive lives for ourselves and for others. And this is called Intelligent Living. So here we're going to learn, laugh, live, last, and love. Thanks for joining the conversation. this morning. First of all, there's not going to be any points. It'd just be, this, it'd be the text in the moment, the title, but no points. Um, so that's for me, that's glorious actually. Because I could pick up where I left off and I have to change the sermon every time. I, and knowing me, I never finished one sermon in my life. I got sermons, they go for until Jesus comes. Come on. So I said, you know what? Uh, I'm, I'm going to do it this way for for a little bit we'll just see how it goes there's no points but we'll have main scripture but don't just notice the title it says the power of emptiness there are trying times that left many people feeling empty tired burned out and i said god can turn your emptiness into fullness my grandkids are here again just for a few days they've been with us and they're always great illustrations and i'm not gonna throw them under the bus I'm not going to name one of them, but anyway, I was talking to one this morning, the youngest one, you can figure out who that is, and he told me, he said, you know what, uh, there's a great challenge on this thing, Tata, he said, I guess it's some switch bitch or switch, I mean switch, how do you say it, switch, I didn't mean to say the other word, it's, it's a switch something, but uh, I said it wrong, but it's, it's a little computer game he plays, and he said, there's a challenge on there, he said, it's a, it's a big challenge. And he said, you know what it is, Tatan? I'm, I'm trying to study. It's, you know, but when you're a grandparent and a grandchild calls you, it doesn't matter what you're doing. Huh? <laughs> so I said, well, yeah, go ahead. And so he says, let me tell you this big challenge. I said, what's the big challenge? Big challenge for me this morning, son, is not to, I'm trying to get ready for church, and you're talking to me. That's my big challenge. I said, well, go with your challenge. And he said, oh, the big challenge on this one, a guy has to eat a hot pepper. And I thought, you know, for most of us, our life's biggest challenge is not eating a hot pepper. You know, how many know life throws us some pretty big challenges? And I completely rewrote my sermon that was done completely. I mean, thrashed it, unfortunately. But in a good way because of how I felt in my spirit and the way I was feeling inside of just myself and life. There's people here this morning, let me tell you, you feel empty. And I know we just finished a revival with Stacy. But it's, I mean, tell you about life. Even though revival was just last week, it feels like 100 years ago already. Because you live your life, it's like life catches up. Things happen so fast. And some people feel empty. And when I say empty, emptiness, you know, to me has so many different meanings. But you can find yourself in this place. It, it could be a, a position in life. It could be a mentality. It's the moments in life where there's a turning point. You don't have an answer. Uh, it's, a, it's a trying. It could be a trying moment I wrote down. It's when you feel like you have no fight left in you. Uh, it's, you don't think you have what it takes or circumstances have totally limited to you. And you find yourself that there are a lot of people that during this time, and even as time goes on, that ex- that's exactly how they're feeling because we see how they're responding in life. They're, they're, they have no answers. But you and I know the king. And, and my point really is going to be really simple this morning. It's that there might be limits on your life. There might be limits on my life, but there are no limits on God. 
I was thinking about the presence of God. John preached on it Thursday. And the first thing I thought of right away was the obvious, the one, I'll read my scripture in a moment, but it was in Isaiah. God says, when you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. And through the rivers, they not shall overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned. And you think about that, but you know, he says that, and really what he's saying in one way is not just he's going to be, but his presence will be with us. And it's his presence in our life is what carries us through the fires of life. And then the three Hebrew children, we know the story, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they get thrown into the fiery furnace. And the king looks inside the furnace and he says, I threw four, didn't I throw th- three guys in there? Yes, the king said, but I see four. And depends on the translation, he says, and I see a fourth one in there. It looks like some divine being. You read the history, what it really means. It means like there's something it was supernatural there that he could not identify. It looked like a God, one translation said. Another one says it looks like an angel. Another one said it looked like a divine presence is with those guys. And he realized he brings them out because they were not burned, even though the fire was turned up. They were not touched at all. They come out. And then he says, we're all going to worship their God. But what's interesting is not one time do those three Hebrew children even knew or even recognize that God was with them. I bet you there are many, many times in our life we're put in this place and we don't even know that God's with us. All we know is we made it out. That's all we know is, you know, I don't know. Uh, you would think if God was that powerful, you think they'd get out and go, yeah, man, we felt God right there. We felt he was right with us. We saw him. You saw him. We saw him. None of those words were ever written. They didn't say that. Why? Because they didn't feel that and they didn't see nothing. It tells me just because you don't see anything and just because you may not say anything and you may not be able to connect all the dots, you look back and go, how did I make it out of that? How, how did I get through that? I'll tell you, you got through that. It was God's presence in your life is what got you through that. His living presence. And so we have to, as John talked about, we have to contend for God's presence in our life. Not just today, but for tomorrow. Hour by hour, right? Minute by minute. God working in our life. His presence. Because His presence is what carries us. It's not our wisdom. It's God's power. It's God's love. It's, it's God's touch on our life is what gets us through. And I thought about <clears throat> God's presence and this is true because when God takes us through life and through these real challenges, a lot harder than eating a hot pepper. But when God takes us through these challenges, it's the ideal thing is as time goes on, you and I can become stronger and more resilient over time and have the ability to overcome. Things happen to us. Either we really believe that God is God. He orchestrates. He sees. He knows. And that he's preparing us for our future, whatever that future may have or hold. That means during this process, whatever that process is for your life or for my life, God is trying to develop us. God is trying to help us. God is trying to make us more resilient. But even though God wants to do these things and see us, you and I make come, come through this as overcomers, doesn't mean it's going to automatically happen. Because people go through stuff all the time, and instead of becoming more resilient and stronger, they are weaker today than they've ever been. They did not not gain anything from that fire. 
They did not gain anything from that major disappointment. They did not gain anything from being empty and having no answers. Listen, having no answers, like I told someone yesterday, I said, I said having no answers to this individual is not bad. I said, it's good sometimes in life to be in a place you have no answers and you're forced to look to God because he does. Let me read the scripture, 2 Kings chapter 4. It's our same verse. It's our text where I've been preaching through. I think this is number 9 or something about the woman who lost her husband. She comes to Elisha, verse 2, and Elisha asked her, what should I do for you? Tell me. What do you have in your house? She answered, I have nothing in the house but a jar of olive oil. Elisha said, borrow many empty uh, containers from all your neighbors, then close the door behind you and your children and pour out all those containers. And when one is full, set it aside. So she left him and closed the door behind her and her children. The children kept bringing her containers and she kept pouring. And when the containers were full, she told her son, bring me another container. He told her, there are no more containers, so the olive oil stopped. She went and told the man of God, he said, sell the oil, pay your debt, and the rest is for you and your children to live off. And so in this story, there are, to me, there are, there's so much wisdom that's contained here. You look up the word empty, it means containing nothing. It means to not having the appropriate contents it means without force or having no significance or hollow or meaningless and that's exactly describes a lot of people how they feel about their own personal life they feel like they have no meaning they're purposeless they they don't have they don't have what it takes and that's that's that feeling i said of emptiness that's why suicides are skyrocketing it's why people are overdosing on drugs. Why? It's not because they're so full and happy. And No, it's the opposite. They know they're longing for something and they're empty. Their life is without content. It's, it, it does not have, they think it does not have in themselves what it takes to live. So they choose to leave this life. They're empty. A study was done on... All these top CEOs, and I read this, and I'm going to use it for us because it makes perfect sense. And the commonality or the common factor found in all these successful CEOs was they all had an attitude of lifelong learning. These are top CEOs. Their attitude is, I'm a learner. You know, you have to be humble to be a learner. You think their attitude would be, well, I'm a CEO. I've got a successful company. I'm making a lot of money. I know what's going on. They're at that, that's how a lot of people are. But their attitude is we're learners, and we went, I want to be a lifetime, lifelong learner. And I think we should be the same way as God's people. I'm, I'm a learner. I'm learning the things of, of, about life and God. And it said they also had a mindset of dedication to discipline and to growth. That, I thought that should be you and I. I have that same a mindset of dedication, discipline, and growth. That should be us the same way. There's people right now, I'd imagine that you look at their life, they feel like they're not making any progress in their life. They've been trying to make progress. They're not making any progress. And for some, it's even worse. They feel like it's one step forward, three steps back. There's others here this morning. You feel totally limited because this story is a story of limits that's unlimited. It's a story of limits 
With her, she had limits. With God, there, are, there were no limits. And when you're like that, you, have, you think you have these limits, and you think you can never go beyond these limits, and so there's people are literally stuck right now in their life. They're not, they're not, there's some not, not going forward. There's some just stagnant, just there. They're, they're not doing anything for whatever reason. There was a mug, huh? Had a picture of Albert Einstein on it. I mean, you know, Albert Einstein was, was smarter than me. Two plus two, reverse five. Figure that one out. There's no such thing, by the way, if you're watching, you're listening. What's two plus two, reverse five? I never heard of that. Yeah, neither have I. I told a tech guy one, I'm getting off track. But anyway, no, I'll, I'll tell you a story. This guy's work, this, guy, this guy's a tech computer guy. Okay, he's working on a computer. This is... I repented, okay? I've always told God, I'm, I'm sorry, I was just joking. He's working on this computer. He's with the company that I was with years ago. Years ago. I walked by and I said, what are you doing? He said, well, I'm learning. The guy showed me some tech stuff. He showed me some stuff. I got some, you know, I've learned a lot, man, on this tech. I'm not really tech. How about you? I said, oh, tech, tech, my middle name, tech, you know. And so I just said something to him. And I said, what about the reverse 5, 6, and 12, and 5? Reverse it. Then you could take the A alpha and, and put it in the back. Something like that just mumbled. Uh, and he said, well, dude, that's like heavy stuff. That's like, that's like another level stuff, man. He said, honestly, I don't. I said, just try the double alpha four or five. I just started rambling, just rambling on. Blah, 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 blah. And he just started, oh, stop, man. He said, that's too much, man. He said, I'm not. He said, dude, I'm not there yet. I hope to be like you someday. <laughs> and this guy's running a company. I walked away. And I said, oh, God, I'm sorry. I was just joking, Lord. I'm just joking. I don't want to tell the guy nothing now because I feel bad for him that he believes a joke. But this mug said the same on this mug had Albert Einstein. It said the same level of thinking that created your problem won't solve your problem. Let me read it again. The same level of thinking that created your problem won't solve your problem. And man, this is so good. So people are, right now, you're literally stuck. Your life is just going like this. You're living the same way. All It's, it's crazy life. How's your life? It's crazy. And it keeps going crazy. So I'm, when things are going to settle down? When you start thinking differently. You keep that attitude. You keep living the way you're living. You plan on living crazy, and you live crazy. An out-of-order life. Some people have not, they say, when my life is going to settle down? I don't know. When are you going to settle down? When are you going to make, when are you going to think differently than you've always thought? Which brought me to think about limits. And the brain, listen to this. You know, the brain is a supercomputer. Most of you know this. You heard me talk about the brain. You know, the brain... <clears throat> They say your brain will listen to your self-talk. And they say your brain, your self-talk is the program your brain will run on. Isn't that something? So what's that, what does that have to do with the sermon, Pastor? Hang on. Think differently. There's some folks, I'll give you a simple example. If you say, I can never remember names. You just told your brain. It can never remember names. That's what it is. It's simple. It's how it works. Your brain will say, oh, 
you're reinforcing that belief and you, you can't remember the next person you meet. People say, I will never be, I will never be smart. I, uh, I will always be not so smart. I'll be stupid or I will never accomplish anything or it's always going to be this way or I can never accomplish that or I can never do this. I'm not one of these guys that say you can do anything you want to do. Uh, it's silly. We, come, we know better than that, right? If I want to be, you can be anything you want to be. That's so dumb. Okay, I'm be a, I want to be an NBA basketball player. Uh, you're, you're, hey, dude, you're, you talk to somebody. I'm, I'm, you're going to be an NBA player. Yeah, I can be anything I want to be. Dude, you're only 5'5". Five, five. That's a legal midget. That's a legal midget. I know Muggsy Bogues was 5'7". I get that. There's other guys who are small, but those, those are exceptional athletes, once-in-a-lifetime athletes. And guess what? You're not one of them. You didn't even make the high school team. Not, not the high school, you didn't even make it. Not the JV, not the warm-up team, Nothing. The girls' team wouldn't you allow to play, play with them. And so people think, they, you know, you can't do anything. But there are things you can do that we tell ourselves we can never do. I, I will never be able to accomplish this. I'll never, uh, this is how I'm always going to live my life. It will all, if something good happens to you, 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 put, you say things like, well, this isn't going to last. Why would you say that? I tell you why, because up to that point, most of our lives, we program ourselves. It's how we grew up. It's what we heard. It's the words we heard. It's the environment we grew up in. All it did is reinforce that stuff. But basically, you know what they are? They're, they're limits. And one man said, when you're stuck in that box, it's all because all behavior is belief-driven. Think about it. I said it, your mind is always eavesdropping on your self-talk. And so, as an example, when I'm talking about limits, if you fight for your limitations, you get to keep them, one man said. If you fight for your limits, they're yours. If you, if you, if you fight for, I'm limited, I can't do anything, I'm, never, I, I'm in this, like this woman, I, this is how I'm going to be, I'm never going to have enough, I'm, I'm, I'm in poverty, it's coming down bad, it's never going to change. If you fight for that, you can own it. Oh, this is, this is your limit, that's, your, that's yours. Or you say, no, that ain't my limits, that might be my limits in life, that might be the limits in circumstance, but that does not limit my God, Hallelujah. So right now we're living in these times. I'll tell you something quick. It's not in my notes or nothing. Let me tell you something very quickly. Is <clears throat> years ago I went to a doctor and they said, uh, let me throw this in for free for everyone. When they tell you you have degenerative arthritis, that's another word saying you're aging. That's all, that's all the word basically means. Everyone has, I, if I grab the healthiest person in this room, I can find parts on your body that has degenerative arthritis. Degenerative arthritis. And people here, they go, oh, what do you got? Degenerative arthritis. You're just getting older. That's all that is. It means nothing. Really, basically, it means nothing. Okay? This generation hasn't accepted that we age. They, won't, they refuse to accept it. They're trying to live to 200 and stuff. You know, people get these tattoos when they're young. When they're old, that tattoo, that guy's off the boat. They go, she's on the boat. He's on the boat rowing. He's, and he's 90 now that he's off the boat. He's flooded. He's drowning over here. That thing goes all like that. 
don't know where that came from, but anyway, it came from the same place everything else comes from, I guess. But um, I was getting to something. What was I getting to? Someone's supposed to tell me. <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 it's all it is. So the doctor says, you know, you, you, you get your, because I was having major pains in my back for years. I mean, major pains. To get up to come to prayer in the morning, I couldn't, I couldn't get up. I had to swing my leg, swing my leg, swing my leg, swing my leg. Then I could get up because I was in so much pain. It was, went on and on and on really bad. I mean, for a long time, I went to the doctor. You know, guys are finally, they go to the doctor, you know, about 100 years later. So I go in this, you got degenerative arthritis and your, your, your spine or your, this disc and this disc is degenerated. The one is already fused and we're going to fuse it. We will go, I've been going to fuse another one and we're going to do this and this and this. And, and you need to see a neurosurgeon. So I saw the neurosurgeon. He's uh, a uh, Chinese guy or he was from China. Anyway, yeah, so I went and saw him and I said, what should I do? So I said, no, what should I do? So I saw there's two different ones and they recommended this guy. And so I meet this guy, and, you know, right away we talk. At the end of it, he says, no, I'm going to go fuse your back. you got to fuse your back. He said, you'll never be able to be on a plane again. You can't fly more than 30 minutes. You're going to live in this pain the rest of your life. And I said, oh, no. Wang, wang, it ain't happening. I didn't say wang, wang, but I didn't know his name. But I said, really? He said, yeah, you're never he said, I said, I fly to preach for the church. He said, no, you're not, you're not flying no more. You can't fly. Your back is degenerative. It's painful. You're going to be in pain. You can't do anything. You can't bother. Went on and on and on. Degenerative arthritis. Okay. He went on and on and on. How you can't do That's what I'm talking about, limits. I said, hold on, doc. He said, let's schedule surgery. I've heard that one before. A lot of medicine is money. And so I used to be scheduled surgery. Yeah, for you. And so I said, he used to be scheduled surgery. And I said, no. I said, what about physical therapy? He said, oh, you can do it. It's not going to help you. You can do it. It's not going to help you. It's not going to change your back. Your back is deteriorated. Nothing's going to change. I said, all right, I'll go to physical therapy. And I did. No problem at all. Both my hands were going numb for years. They said, you got carpal tunnel. I've never been in a tunnel. <laughs> never. Carpals or any tunnel. You got carpal tunnel. Then they do these nerve tests on you. If anyone's ever had the nerve test where they put all those needles through you, it's bad. Stacy had it. He called me before I, he had it. He said, I said, oh, yeah. I knew you had had it, and you had done everything. He said, how is it? I said, oh, it's not that bad. <laughs> it's not that bad, Stacy. It hurt. I said, but you're a man. You're a dronic at Stacy. Don't worry about it. Boom, boom, boom. He went, okay, okay, I'm going to do it. He said he will never do that again the rest of his life. <laughs> he said it was too painful. He said, no, never again. Rest of, never. He said, that. He said, did they do I said, yeah. So they do all these tests and say, hey, carpal tunnel with surgery, we'll do surgery and fix your hands. You can be able to, you, you won't feel that numbness. You'll be able to use your hands again. I said, it ain't happening. Carpal tunnel. I'm not going to go to no tunnel. But I said, no, and me tell you what I said. I'm just being honest. Can I just be really real? I just said, God, you can heal me. You're the healer. Right? I said, God, you're the healer, and you can help me. You heard the doctor say, I can't, I won't be able to do this, and I can't do that. And I said, you heard that. I said, but God, you're the healer. And literally for me, and my carpal tunnel, and my hands were hurting one day, literally for one day to the next, probably 95% improvement. And the pain went and never came back. It, it went to the guy who's got degenerative arthritis. Degenerative disease, whatever. 
limits. Yeah, it's a limit, but with God, there are learnal limits. So right now, I just got through one page of notes, two pages. It's okay. But hear me out on this. <clears throat> the time we are in, I know this is reality. I know it's very difficult. I'm not downplaying how difficult it is for a lot of people. I wish we could help more people. You know, I wish there was a way to have, help more people. I mean, it takes money to help some people. Money, money isn't everything. We tell them money helps. Hey, no one who's poor says, I love being poor. No one does that. Trust me. They can diminish people. They could diminish us. They could define us. Or they can develop us. I say it again. They could diminish us. They could define us. Or they develop us. We decide. We decide. I should say you'll decide. Let me read something to you and hope you can follow with me. I was listening to <clears throat> all the different podcasts I listened to on different things on health wise and nutrition and blah, blah, blah. But they kept referring to a book that I had, I had heard before, that I read before, heard book on tape thing. And, and I thought, <clears throat> this is so true. The book is called Anti-Fragile. Here's the title, Anti-Fragile, Things That Gain from Disorder by Nassim Talibib. Listen to it. It says it like this. Unlike fragile items, which break when you put them under stress, anti-fragile items seem to benefit from volatility and shock. Said when you send an item made of glass or you post something, you, you ensure that package is clearly labeled, please handle with care because it's glass. It needs to be put in a tranquil environment because it shatters when it's harmed by stresses and shocks. Fragility is a relatively easy concept to understand. We're all aware of fragility or being fragile. Items need to be protected from volatile situations. Yet when we try to think of opposite of fragility, we struggle to come up with the works or basically no word for it as one was invented. You know, you think of the robust would be the answer. It's the opposite of volatility or uh, being fragile. However, a robust item would not be able to survive shocks. Better than a fragile one. It's not the opposite. It doesn't benefit from the harm. Listen to this. What we're looking for is something that would deliberately mishandle something. You put on a package, it would say something like, please handle roughly. We struggle to define this concept because no one in the world's major language has a word for it even. We must therefore use the word anti-fragile to describe the antithesis of fragility. Things that benefit from shock and therefore prefer volatility to tranquility. Listen to this. Unlike fragile items which break under stress, anti-fragile items actually benefit from volatility and shock. Shock and stressors strengthen the anti-fragile system by forcing them to build extra capacity. We often experience anti-fragile without even knowing it. Here's an example. Exercise is a good example of stress in your body. When we exercise, we put our body through unusual stress. In doing so, our bodies react to the shock and grow stronger. In this way, our bodies are anti-fragile. Now, I'm going to read you the highlights, okay? Just a few things, more things. Listen to this. 
This is crucial element of anti-fragility. Strength comes from overcompensating against an adversary or adversity. In our bodies, for example, overcompensation, redundancy allowed us to be prepared for unknown problems ahead. What can seem to be a waste can suddenly become a lifesaver in emergency. I know you're not preachers, but I've already given you five sermons if you were. Listen to what it says. Tranquility leads to fragility. Removing volatility and therefore anti-fragile from a system has one particularly explosive effect. Without volatility, problems are not as apparent. They lie dormant for years, growing more severe until they reach massive proportions. And here's what he said. Here's the problem in society and people's lives. This covers business. This covers health. This covers all areas. And here's the final thing that I just took from it. It says, our desire to eliminate volatility from our life will eventually make our society more fragile and will kill us. We, we might say we're a cupcake generation. <laughs> and I don't know if you understand everything I just said, but let me make a spiritual application quickly. In Matthew, Jesus said, For there would be a time of great tribulation unmatched from the beginning of the world until now and never be seen again. John 16, Jesus said, I told you this, that you may have peace in me, because here on earth you can have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. And then there's other verses I'll read in a week or two. It talks about this is the faith that overcome the world. It's our faith that has overcome the world. God wants to and God does do this. God wants you and I to become stronger through the stressors and the difficulties of life. But I think one of the, one of the problems I, I would think is, and it's actually pretty easy to, to identify, is that as we live this life, instead of becoming anti-fragile, we, we run from it. Like I said, the guy says we want to stay away from any kind, of, any kind of shocks and any kind of stressors, any kind of difficulty. We don't want none of that. With a problem, none of that. When life really hits us, we have nothing in us to hold us on. You and I, as the people of God, we've all experienced things. But when we experience things, here's what we do. We have a tendency to write those off. What I mean, whatever happens, we say, this is a wasted experience. Like the article said, we think, what a waste of experience. What a wasted moment in my life. It was a turning point for the worst. What was good about that? That is making you stronger for the future. Spiritual applications, you can read, you can, I can reread it and say, there's one, there's one. You all, most of you are pretty sharp. You understand what I was saying. And so when the doctor says, no, you can't, this can't happen, you're limited, you say, well, what's, what's going on? Yeah, you're being stressed, and yes, you are being shocked, and yes, you're in a very volatile situation, but it's making you stronger. Well, I should say it like this. It should, and it can make you stronger if you let it. Because later on, because you made it through that, I don't think Jesus wants his people, I only read one verse, two verses, I don't think Jesus wants his people living in this time to let the times define us. I mean, during this difficult time, the church is just going to wither away like, oh, can't overcome. I think the opposite. No, all along through our experiences in life, God has been building us up to this moment as individuals and as a church. And you know what? Stronger now we've ever been, or you are, but we're all tempted to say, 
What a waste, what a waste, what a waste. That did nothing for me. Oh, it did a lot for you. It wasn't a waste. It was a great experience. If you allow it to be, God is making you stronger for tomorrow. And you think that, like I gave the illustration of myself, the doctors and all that, they said, here's the limits. That day I could have said to him, okay, schedule the appointment. Have my back fused. Never going to fly again. Call my friend. Never going to go. I can't do this. Can't do that. Can't do Just write it off. That's what he said. You never. This is the top surgeon, Loma Linda. And all I said, a simple old preacher with a doctorate degree. Just kidding. Doctorate degree and kidding. But I just said, no, I'll come to a different conclusion. I said, no, ain't going to happen. I'll be fine. And guess what? I was. You can't do this kind of weight training. You can't, you can't put any pressure on your back. Oh, really? I'm not saying you should be stupid. But most of the things they said I would, I would not be able to do, I do. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying I'm Superman. I have this thing that I wear. It's the only thing I can tell you what it is. I wear this thing, and people ask me, what is that thing? I always tell them, it's a marriage monitor. They go, oh. And one girl goes, oh. So your wife knows where you're at all the time? Yep, I just push a little button right here. I'm right here, honey. And she knows, she knows exactly. She goes, oh, okay. She goes, okay, cool. So let me get to a point. I've already given you five, but this woman, it really doesn't matter how we hear. We must allow our hearts to be moved upon and deep enough to engage our wheels to do something. Because this woman is in a very limited position, in a very limited place. She not only hears, I talked about the sower and the seed, she not only hears it, hearts. Listen, I can say what all, I can preach all I want. Stacy can preach, other guys can come and preach. But unless your heart's open to receive it, it means nothing. But it takes it one step further. It's, not, it's more than open enough to receive it. It's open enough to receive it and act upon it. When Jesus says, take heed to what you hear, the thought behind that phrase, take heed to what you hear, actually means to hear something and to align your morals up to what you just heard. It's a moral command. It's like uh, live clean. And you hear that and you line your morals, you line the conduct of your life up to what you just heard. That's what to hear actually means. It means to align yourself with God and his will, what you've heard from God. That's what it means. Take heed to what you, this woman heard something from Elijah. She goes to Elisha and she tells Elisha what her needs were. They're very real. This was, she was what I, like, what I like about this woman. She was not number one. She's not living in La La Land or Disneyland. She faces her problem. She doesn't run from it. She, this is the problem, and I'm going to have to face it. And, and she says, you know what? I'm going to face it because my kids depend on me facing what I'm about to face. It's so sad because oftentimes there's kids, always kids involved, and they pay the price. And she goes to Elisha and says, what do you want me? This is what's happened. This is what's going on. And what I love about this woman, what really touched me was I thought, she brings this to Elisha, 
and such wisdom in the way she brings it because she does not bring it like most of the time we would. What do you mean, Pastor? She brings it to Elisha. She says, this is what's happening in my life. This is where I'm at in my life. And she leaves it there. How would we do it? This is what's going on in my life. This is what's happening in my life. And this is how I want you to fix it. That's what we tell God all the time. This is what's going on. This is how I need you to fix it. Why don't you leave that to God? It was open-ended. Here's my problem. Here's my life. This is where I'm at. And she allows God to speak into her heart, his will, without her giving her two cents. Have you ever been given your two cents? Some of you can't. You only got one cent. Ha <laughs> ha. I say that because I know it's, I've done it. This is my problem. God, this is what I want you to do. This is how I want you to do it. Have you ever said that? There's a place for that. But I also believe there's a place for this where it's total trust in the character of the person you're talking to. You're talking to God who's very compassionate. More compassionate than we'd ever be. And he, you don't think God's moved by the burdens of this woman? Of course he's moved by it. And he tells her what to do. There's a willingness to do it. But until she does, until she's willing to do what he says to do, she's going to be stuck in her difficulty. Are you still with me? The Bible says, trust the Lord with all your heart and never rely upon what you think and know. And I started this sermon series like nine times, nine sermons ago, and I talked about junk food. And this is the, the illustration that I was using, and I'm going to go back to it. Because the problem with drunk, with drunk food, there's no such thing, whether it might be, I don't know. But anyway, problem with junk food is when the real stuff comes along, when good food comes along, if, you, if all you've eaten was junk food, you have no room for the good food. Right? It's just like when I'm working with these pastors who come and preach for us, you know, they're friends of mine, and I, I can say almost anything to them, and, I, and jokingly and everything else, we try, I try to help them, but a lot of them are used to eating junk food. You know, some of them, these guys, they're, they're, they're friends of mine. I, I joke with them. I say, hey, what, have you named your baby yet? Take a baby shower or something, you know, something like that. And they're like, ha, 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 what are you talking about? You think I'm too big? I say, oh, you're 100 pounds overweight. That's not bad. But most of them, and I joke with them, they laugh. They really do laugh. I know you're not laughing, but they laugh, okay. They think I'm crazy, but they listen. And I say, listen, man, I said, the problem is, the problem, and most of them will say this, the problem is I eat all the wrong food all the time. And, and so I said, listen, this week you're with me, or we're going to be together, we're going to eat good food. And the problem eating good food, if you're not used to eating good food or drinking something that's it's healthy, you know, at first, you know what happens at first? You don't like it. You go, oh, what's this? I said, that's, that's a beet juice drink. That's healthy. How could this be healthy, man? This is gross. I said, no, Pepsi's gross. You've been used to junk. And people are used to junk spiritually all their life. It's sweeter. Self-will is sweeter. God's will sometimes can be difficult. 
we're not used to drinking, eating God's. No, no, it's, 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 like, it's like two different worlds, and it is two different worlds, and that's the problem. When God comes along and wants to give us some meat, some meat, some will, some surrender, some sacrifice, God comes along and lays it out and says, I'm not interested in that. I, you know, I'm not used to eating that. I, that's not what I want. In fact, it, tastes, it don't even taste good at all to me, and it never will until you start doing it. I converted Marty when he was here. He's going to start drinking beet juice with some vegetables and spinach and kale and celery. He says, I'm going to go back home and I'm going to, I'm going to find me a place that serves. This is good. I never knew this could be good, Marty. I said, yeah, Marty, it's a lot better than coffee and everything else you drink. He said, man, I like Popeye's. I said, that's why you go Popeye's. I said, Popeye's is voted the number one worst place to eat in America. The most de- De, uh, nutritionally depleted food in America to eat? Popeyes. Go there and watch the people driving through. There's some big folks driving through there. And if you love them, you go warn them. Don't you dare. They'll hit you. They don't care. M- Marty goes, you're, you're crazy. You're, I said, Marty, he said, no, that's going to me to take them. I said, I'm not taking you there. I love you too much to take you there. And guess what? He didn't go there all week. He said, I guess so. If you say so, okay. At the end of the week, he thanked me. Are you still with me? I'm going to have to stop here. I was going to stop at the 20-minute mark. I'm already at the 40-minute mark. Trust me, you don't want me to keep preaching. Because this boy can preach. I know I never do here, but trust me, I can go. So I'm going to say our scripture, and I'll say this right here. Isaiah says it like this. Why do you spend your money on junk food? You earned hard-earned cash on cotton candy. Listen to me, he says, listen well. Eat only the best. Fill yourself only with the finest. Pay attention. Come close now. Listen carefully to my life-giving, life-nourishing words. I am making a lasting covenant and commitment to you. It's the same that I made with David, sure, solid, and enduring love. This woman, she does not own her limits. She just says, this is where I'm at, but I'm not going to own this. In her mind, you know what? There has to be some form, some fashion that God can move. I have no idea how he can move. It makes no sense whatsoever. It looks like there's, from the natural point, you may be there right now. I say, I don't know how. I could change or what could even get any better or I I don't see any way out of this at all. Don't own it. Say, even though I don't see it, I know a God who's limitless. I know a God who's limitless. You tell me he can't, I tell you he can. You say you won't be able to me, I say your God is able. You say that never happened, God says it will happen. And she comes to him. She does not own her limits. She comes to him and says, I don't know, but I know a a God who's a God of the, the, I think the impossible. That's the best way we describe it, right? What did Jesus say? With God? With men? It's not. With God, all things are? All things. What does all things mean? It means bad backs too. 
It means bad lives. All things God can step in and change the limits. Limitless. I want you to bow your heads this morning. I'm going to every head bowed, every eye closed. I wonder this morning how many are here and you're, I told you at the beginning of this message, I rewrote this whole message. It would have been a lot easier just to preach the one I had. That's not how I feel. That's just not how I preach. It's not my style anyway, but there's people that you look at your, there's people that came this morning. Don't dismiss the preaching of the word of God. Don't dismiss it in your head. So I just care. Pastor Kerry preaching. I know him. He's, he's funny. Whatever. Don't just, you know, there's a supernatural element to church. There's nothing natural about church. Our lives are unsupernaturally changed. It's the Word of God is supernatural. It changes human hearts and souls like nothing else can. God steps into our life and does things that they're impossible. He has no limits. There's people here this morning. You look at your life and you've, maybe up until now you've limited yourself because you see this is how it's always going to be i'm never going to find a job i'm never going to work out better it's always we're always going to be struggling and, and this is how you lived your life but this morning god's telling you he's a god of the impossible oh no 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 when that surgeon was telling me you're never going to fly a plane again mark that down he said mark that off your calendar you're not flying a plane ever again in my mind, I just laughed. Oh, yes, I am. And that wasn't me. I just chose to believe God. It doesn't mean it always happens that way, but there's people God's really talking to. You look at your life, it's very difficult right now. And all you see is limits. I'm challenging you to put your mind on the limitless God. God's talking to you. Just raise your hand right now, all this place. Yes, yes, yes. I see all these hands. Yes, 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 yes. Yes, I see these, you place these limits. I see all these hands. You say, God, this is, this is all I see, but I'm trusting you with my life. Many, many, many hands raised this morning. There's people that are here that you need to come to the altar and you need to tell God and ask God to forgive you for the things you've said about him in this sense. You're always saying what God can't do. You come to the altar and say, God, I forgive me for saying what you can't do. I'm believing for you what you can't do. And forgive me. I've said things over and over again. I've said things no one knows, knows about what I've said. And God, I, that's not how I want to live my life. There's others here this morning that are listening to me, watching me. There's in, the, in the audience, the congregation, you say, you know what? I want to give my life right with God. I want to get right this morning. You pray this prayer with me. If that is you in this congregation, you say, I'm not saved. I'm not right. I want to get right. Raise your hand right now. So I want to pray to receive Christ as my Savior. I see that hand, sister. Yes. Anybody else? With my sister with her hands raised, you just say this prayer with me. And Irma will pray with you in a moment. You watching, you say this prayer. You just say, dear Heavenly Father, I give you my life. Come into my life, Jesus. Forgive me of my sins. I repent. 
I give my life to you. Help me. I want to change. I want a better life. Let's all stand. The congregation, these altars are open. Come and find a place to pray. Maybe you didn't raise your hand, but you just want to come and pray and talk to God. Hey folks, I really hope this episode encouraged you to live a more purposeful and intelligent life. If it did bless you, would you share it with somebody who you love as well? Thanks again for joining us, folks. We'll see you next time. Thank you.